0: Welcome, folks, to a very special program. I put this program together because I had the opportunity to interview Denny Somak. He's a rock historian, a legendary DJ, and a Beatles expert. He has wrote the book A Walk Down Abbey Road, which is a celebration of the influence of the Beatles. It contains interviews with major recording stars, including the Rolling Stones, Sting, Billy Joel. Brian Wilson, Elton John, and many others. I was so delighted I had the opportunity to talk to Denny, not only about radio, but about one of my favorite topics, the Beatles. I interviewed Denny, and to make it a little more robust, I put in some musical interludes that you might enjoy. As he mentions artists like Billy Joel, I put in a Billy Joel song. As we talk about people like Ringo Starr we put in a Beatles song sung by Ringo Starr hopefully it will make a little more entertaining and something that you can just listen to and learn a little bit about the Beatles if nothing else I hope it makes you go buy the book A Walk Down Abbey Road of course you can get it at Amazon.com you can get it as a Kindle or just a regular book or you can contact Denny at his website Denny DennySomach.com. D E N N Y S O M A C H.com. You'll love the different stories from your favorite artists talking about how the Beatles have influenced them. So here is my interview with Denny Somach about his book, A Walk Down Abbey Road. a very special guest. Denny Somak is on the line. He is an award-winning rock historian, author, producer, legendary DJ, and author of a brand new book called A Walk Down Abbey Road. And I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to interview this man. Welcome, Denny.
1: Welcome. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Um, I really appreciate the time to talk about two of my favorite subjects. Rock <laughs> rock and roll radio and the Beatles. Uh, well,
1: Paul, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, thanks for asking me. And I'm happy to answer whatever you'd like to ask.
0: I Well, I, I'm really kind of, I, I know I want, I want to get into uh, the book, A Walk Down Abbey Road, uh, because you have approached the idea of the Beatles by interviewing so many people who've been influenced by them. But I want to know your background first. you You're one of, the, you're an innovator when it comes to radio. How would you start getting into radio?
1: Well, um, i it, it's its not too unusual, I guess. I was an intern at a radio station in high school and uh, joined the college radio station in college. And after about six months on the college radio station, I accidentally got a job on a regular radio station and figured <laughs> this would be kind of cool to do for a while while I'm in college and maybe even when I get done. But at some point, I, I want to be a stockbroker. I want to go to business college. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately I never got around to it. I kept getting jobs in radio and one thing led to another.
0: When you, when you got your regular jobs in radio, uh, you were in New York. Is that right?
1: No, I was in, I was in, uh, I grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay. And I went to school at Moravian college, which is in Bethlehem. And I worked, uh, after I worked in Allentown, I then went to Philadelphia. Okay. And then from there I started producing all my stuff and that came out of New York. Yes.
0: Gotcha. Through this experience, you had the opportunity to meet so many musicians and rock and roll stars that you've interviewed them. Yes. This is where you become a rock historian, right? That's correct.
1: Yeah. Only by having done this for 40 years.
0: (laughs) So tell me, uh, before we get into the Beatles, when you interviewed some folks, who was the person that you said, I cannot believe I'm interviewing this person?
1: uh gosh that happened so long ago i'm i mean it happened a number of times but i i guess um guess it would have to be paul mccartney And then Pete Pete Townsend. my list and then there's some really obscure people who i'm just a big fan of who you wouldn't think they're not huge stars but to me they were my idols Mm -hmm. and that would be people like arthur lee of the band love Mm. the members of the yardbirds which is my favorite band things like that
0: Courtney, when when was that?
1: Well, I've interviewed him three or four times. Okay. But if you want to hear a story, I I can tell you a great story. I'm dying, yeah. Okay. I interviewed him. I think it was the album Give My Regards to Broadway. Okay.
2: The first of five dancers in this competition. That's the cha
1: The Plaza Hotel, where the Beatles had, you know, originally, when they first came to New York, that's where they stayed, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and because I knew Paul, and I was producing a show at the time called Scott Muni's Ticket to Ride, which was the nation's first weekly Beatles show, yeah. so it was Scott Legendary. and I were there. New Scott from mm-hmm. the '64, so he said, "Look, you guys, why don't you do the last interview? Because I'll have the most time. Because everybody gets ten minutes, and this way I can give you more time." Great. So we did this interview. It was a great interview as usual. And then I noticed the date happened to be 15 years to the day that the famous Paul McCartney is dead. Oh, okay. So I said to Paul at the end of the interview, just in case he got offended or something, <laughs> I said, by the way, Paul, I don't expect you to know this, but do you know what today is? And he goes, no, what is it? And I said, this is the 15th anniversary of your death. This is the date <laughs> where they came out with the Paul is dead. And he just looked at me and he shrugged his shoulders and he said, well, as you can see, I'm still here. <laughs> Wait, did he take? Does he take that... Uh rumor in in good light you think or was he annoyed by it no he wasn't annoyed it, it was it was so huge when it came out and then, everybody's still talks about it so no no he you know he he, he i guess was sort of surprised that i knew he it was remember the anniversary him. not that he would but i think he got a kick out of it so
0: you wrote a book about led zeppelin then yes. you went into deciding to put this together for the beatles and correct uh, clearly the Beatles is the most influential band of all time, and you have interviewed so many people when it comes to how the Beatles influenced them. Did, when you Is this a combination of when you did radio work and you talked to them and the Beatles came up, or did you go well specifically to I'll talk to exactly, them?
1: I can tell you exactly. I, um, when I started doing interviews in the uh, early to mid-'70s when I started in radio, uh, I figured a good way to warm up is to ask a question about the Beatles because mm-hmm. everybody was influenced by the Beatles yes, or has a story. So I figured that's a great way to get the conversation going. And then over the years, I just kept asking people, and then uh, I came up with the idea to do the Ticket to Ride weekly Beatles show, and everybody said, you're crazy. The Be- You can't do, you know, maybe it's 13 weeks. You can't do a weekly Beatles show forever. Are you nuts? (laughs) I said, no, no, no. I got plenty of stories. And of course, the show was on the air for 10 years every week. And, you know, obviously, Scott is the reason that it was so successful. He was such a great host. Mm -hmm. But we would have all these guests come on and tell us their Beatles stories. So that's that's really uh, how it came about. And I just started collecting them. And to this day, just about every interview that I do, I I don't necessarily ask it at the beginning, but I will tell people, you know, do you have any Beatles stories? And they go into it, and that's, that's what I'm doing. And, in fact, if you want, I'll tell you uh, one, of the, one of the coolest things was there's an interview in the book uh, with the Isley brothers,
3: mm-hmm.
1: which I did, I think it was about two years ago. I was at Electric Ladyland Studios. They had just put out an album, a new album, and uh, they had been working with Carlos Santana. So I, I went to the, the press conference in New York at the Electric Ladyland And I'm interviewing the, uh, I don't know if you know this story or not, but I'm interviewing the Isley Brothers, and they, you know, a lot of people know that Jimi Hendrix was in the Isley Brothers for about six months. Mm -hmm. He was the guitar player. Uh, He was still called Jimmy James at the time, or whatever. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't famous, but he was a great guitar player, and he was in the Isley Brothers, And Ron Isley turns to me and he goes, well, he said, I can tell you a great Beatles story. I said, what's that? He goes, well, of course, we saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan like everybody else. And we saw them do Twist and Shout, which was one of our songs. And then they did Shout, which is also one of our songs. And we figured, well, you know what? This is going to be pretty detrimental to a lot of bands out there, but not us. Uh Because we have the greatest guitar player in our band. (laughs) And I turned to him and said, Jimmy, and I said, wait a minute, back up. I said, what do you mean you turned to him? He goes, oh, yeah, we watched the Ed Sullivan show at my house, and Jimi Hendrix was sitting on the couch with us. Oh, wow. He was mm-hmm. watching it along with us. And i like, you're telling me that you watched the Ed Sullivan show with Jimi Hendrix? And he goes, yeah, he was in our band at the time. He left a little bit you know, after that. And We always knew he was going to be a great guitar player, but... He was in our house watching the Beatles on itself and like everybody else. I almost had a heart attack.
0: when the Isley brothers talked to the Beatles after watching them?
1: Well, the, the, I asked him about that and mm-hmm. uh, Isley said that he had run into Paul McCartney uh, you know, a few times over the years and Paul said to him, you know, without you and your brothers, there'd be no Beatles. Yeah. So he was excited you know, to tell me that. And he also, he had met Lennon. Uh, I think he said he had met all of them except George. <laughs>
0: Oh, you know you make me
4: want to shout, click my fingers, shout, throw my hands back, shout, kick my heels off, shout, come on now, shout, take it easy, shout, take it easy, shout, take it easy, shout, little bit soft now, shout, little bit soft now soft enough now shout little bit soft enough now shout a 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 little bit loud 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 now
0: Those are the type of stories that are in this book, which is so uh, exciting to me. Here's a question I've always wondered about the Beatles. What do you think, after talking to these folks and learning so much about them, what do you think it was that made their synergy so strong? Because they were so influential, but they were doing things other people were doing. They were just doing it better because the four of them somehow had some magic together. What do you think that magic was?
1: I I can tell you exactly what I think it is. And believe me, I have asked enough people this question and I think the majority of them uh, agree only, you know, until I asked people like Eric Burden and other people like that who were sort of in the same situation didn't realize it myself, but every one of them said, and and Eric Burden told me the best answer. He goes, you got to understand these four guys, what made the Beatles, the Beatles is the fact that these four guys went to Hamburg, Germany, they played five sets a night, six days a week, living in and out of a truck, a van. A, you know, They were so close to each other for that period of time when they played Hamburg. That's what bound them together. And I absolutely believe that it's the old 10,000 hours story, yeah. that the Beatles spent so many hours in Hamburg that that's how they became the Beatles.
0: And they basically fused together and became a one-unit that was just unstoppable
4: danger, maybe, anything, you, anything you want me to you to
0: You about um, Brian Epstein and George Martin? To me, sure. the, the without those without those two, um, you really don't have the Beatles. How influential yeah, yeah, I were they? To,
1: I agree with you. I, I agree with you.
0: Tell tell us a little bit about Brian Epstein, if they he came up at all, because I think a lot of people don't know about him.
1: Well, actually, uh, from what I understand, I uh, there's a movie. They're trying to get a movie made about the life of Brian Epstein. I think it will probably, Epstein. excuse me, get made. Uh, and I think it'll let people know. But you're absolutely right. Without Brian Epstein, I don't think the Beatles would have happened because he just, and he invented everything. There was no, no, nothing for him to follow. He just made it up as he went along. The idea of putting them all in matching suits. Uh, the idea of having them do interviews, the four of them at once. Just, you know, little things like that, the haircuts all that kind of stuff. Uh, you're absolutely right. Brian Epstein is what truly uh, enabled the Beatles, again, to be the Beatles.
0: And then after his death, you saw a lot of tension, and then soon after, they went their separate ways. I mean, he really he really right. did a lot behind the scenes to keep him together to create the Beatles. <laughs> In your book, you, you yeah. actually did interview George Martin as well. What was your impression yeah, of I've his?
1: George, I've interviewed George a couple of times, but what's unique is the interview that's in the book, if i not mistaken, I, I think I put a preface on it. Um, I, uh, at the time, I had a correspondent in England, and I called and I said, I need you to go over and interview George Martin. He has a book out. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what. I got How about this idea? At the time, 1985, I think it was. He goes, Carol Thatcher is a friend of mine. I said, you mean the prime minister's daughter? Oh, wow. And he goes, yeah. And she works at the all-news station where I work. How about if I book George Martin on her show and she has him as a guest and I send you that interview? I said, are you kidding? That would be unbelievable. Yeah. And that's what happened. That's where that interview came from. And how do you now, th- I, have other, I have other interviews with George Martin. But I, and I've used it for shows and stuff, but I thought of all the ones I have, that's the interview that was so cool.
0: What, what, do, you think, what do you think was his uh, contribution to it all?
1: Well, the fact that he understood, well, first of all, the Beatles were big fans of something called The Goons. Yes. There was a show in England called The Goon Show. The comedy show, right? Martin, George Martin and Peter Sellers and all. George Martin produced albums by the Goons and all those people. So the Beatles already knew who he was and they respected him.
5: (coughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Unchained Melody. Yeah! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: and didn't take any crap, and that's what they needed because they were a little bit cocky, um, you know, and he would tell them, hey, guys, this is what you need to do. And I think that that working relationship, which was just magical, yeah. aside from the fact that he's one of the greatest producers ever, mm-hmm. uh, and musically, his you know, he, he was an arranger, a musician himself, but I, I think that that, uh, and the fact that he was about nine or ten years older than they were, So he was like a father figure. It's all those little things together that made him uh, a perfect match for them.
4: I no.
0: The genius of Lennon and McCartney writing the songs, George, George Harrison uh, ended up being his, a great songwriter. And yep. there seems to be too much of this um, and Ringo point of view, as if uh, Ringo was just a drummer. I think that he was the key to it all. There was no Beatles without Ringo, and he somehow could keep those guys together. It seems like he was the one that got along with all of them, even after the Beatles.
1: Well, Tell a little bit about heard, Ringo. Well, and his personality well yeah, yeah first of all on george harrison because george martin mentioned this uh, in one of my interviews i don't know if it's the one that's in the book but he said one of his biggest regrets is not giving george harrison more time and more songs mm-hmm. over the years he just said look you got to realize you have a lennon and mccartney in the band there's no time i mean they were creating songs that i mean you couldn't devote more than one song or two songs to george
3: mm-hmm.
4: Something I say it's alright.
1: As Ringo goes, I think the person that Ringo is just an unbelievable drummer that people just didn't yeah. realize because he was there. However, I think it was in Max Weinberg has a book out about drummers, and he has one of the best interviews with Ringo as a musician. And he pointed out that definitely Ringo. What made it, it wasn't so much what Ringo played as how, as so much as he didn't play that made them stand out. Never overplayed. <laughs>
6: I sang out it too, would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song and I'll try not to.
0: Love to see uh, Ringo write a book about about management <laughs> because somehow he brought the best management. out of, yeah, because he brought the best out of these really super talented people who were competitive. He he just did a good job of following it along and 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 having that synergy. But anyway, that's that's a different yeah. that's a different topic. Yeah. But now yeah. you you have interviews with some people that I thought was really interesting in here. Um, Carl Perkins. Uh, Frankie Valley, right. Roy Oberson, right. Brian Wilson. Now, those I point out because they were already in the music business when the Beatles came out. How right. how did them as contemporaries and really uh, – Beatles were newcomers compared to them. How did they influence? I mean, how did they deal with the fact that they're doing this great stuff, and then here comes this um, this mania from the Beatles?
1: Well, remember, the Beatles – When these guys were out playing and they encountered the Beatles for the first time, the Beatles weren't really the Beatles, Mm -hmm. okay? So like Carl Perkins, all he knew was, oh, these guys covered a few of my songs. I'm getting some nice royalties. Uh, And when I run into them, they're all over me. They want their picture taken. (laughs) ¶¶
5: me say you will when you won't you tell me you do baby when you don't let me know honey how you feel tell the truth now
4: is love real uh-uh oh honey don't
6: The way that you wear your clothes. Everything about you is a so
4: doggone sweep. You got that sand all over your feet, so. Uh uh-uh. uh. Hey, honey, don't. Ryan so sho
1: they had the same perspective it was the same thing with roy Orbison. interesting roy arbison went over to england and the beatles were his opening act um and after he saw them play i think it was after the first date he said this is this is not going to work i can't follow that and they reversed the bill uh, even though he was the headliner he decided to open because he didn't want to close mm-hmm. and i'll tell you another interesting story about roy arbison i think it's in the book also I got so many stories. I'm trying to yeah. remember what's what. But he said, um, in fact, when I went over to England to, to play that tour, uh, I had my uh, prescription sunglasses on, and I came out of the plane, and I, I couldn't find my regular glasses. So I had to wear my sunglasses. And <laughs> I was in all those pictures. And that's how he got the famous trademark of Roy Orbison with the dark glasses. <laughs>
0: And when it comes to Brian Wilson, uh, he was uh, spurred on by the Beatles.
1: Yes, he heard uh, he heard them do uh, you know "Revolver," and he said, "I got to top that." And then he came out with Pet Sounds.
2: stars above you, you never need to doubt
4: it, I'll make you so sure about it, God only knows what I do.
1: Uh, has said this to me also. They heard Pat sounds, and they go, we got to top that, mm-hmm. and they started working on Sgt. Pepper. So, yeah, they realized the genius of, uh, of Brian Wilson. Wednesday morning at
2: 5 o'clock as the day begins Silence Bedroom door Leaving the note That she hoped Would say more She goes downstairs To the kitchen Clutching her Handkerchief Quietly turning The back door key Stepping Outside she is Free she, we gave her most
4: of our lives, is leaving, sacrificed most of our lives. Oh. We gave her every
2: Snores as his wife gets into her dressing gown Picks up the letter that's lying there Standing alone at the top of the stairs She breaks down and cries to her husband, daddy our baby's gone. Why would she treat us so thoughtlessly? How could she do this to me?
4: She, we never thought of ourselves. Never a thought for ourselves. Struggle hard all our lives to get She's by. leaving home after
2: living Alone bye, for so bye. many years Friday morning at nine o'clock She is far away Waiting to keep appointment she made meeting a man from the motor trade she what did we do that was wrong
4: is heavy?
0: How about your conversation with Frankie Valley? Because I have always, always think about Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons were the best, top group ever, and then yeah. here comes the Beatles. Mm-hmm. How, how did he react to the Beatles? Yeah.
1: Well, the way he reacted was, and if you're old enough to remember or if you've seen, uh, the Beatles were originally in America. They were on VJ Records, which was the same label that the Four Seasons were on. So the record company, once the Beatles started to hit, and Capitol picked up the option, VJ had like three or four months before their contract ran out. So they tried to put out as many albums as they could with the Beatles songs that they had the rights to. So because the Four Seasons were their biggest white group at the time, they put out a couple of albums like The Beatles versus the Four Seasons, where one side was Beatles songs. So you know, again, to him, that's what his knowledge of the Beatles was. (laughs)
0: Wow, the world changed for sure nice. when, when the Beatles come. Now, you you have all these great um, interviews. What's your thought on the Beatles today? Uh, It seems to be, you know, with the movie Yesterday and um, uh, there's a resurgence. What do you think about the new generation and the influence the Beatles have in their music?
1: Well, I think the Beatles have done something that uh, until now or until they came about uh, has never happened before. And what it is is they've become cross generational. Unlike it Sinatra, really yes, who people still like, but he didn't cross over. <laughs>
5: me like no other lover Something in the way That she woos me I don't want to leave her now You better believe it and how Mm -hmm. Somewhere in her smile She knows Another lover something in her style that shows me I don't wanna leave her now. You better believe and how You're asking me will my love grow? don't know, no, I don't know, you stick around Jack, it might show, I don't know, no, I don't know, something in the way she knows. I gotta do is just think of her. Something in the things that she shows me ain't gonna leave her. You better It's gonna show But I don't know No, I don't know Something In the way That she knows Me And all I gotta do Is think of her Something in the thing That she shows me. I ain't gonna leave enough. You better believe it and how I don't plan.
1: Unlike Elvis, he didn't cross over. The Beatles crossed over.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: A total new generation. The, the people that like Elvis and I like Elvis and all that, but Elvis's people and his fans, they're starting to disappear. They're getting they're aging out. Sinatra is, you know, something that your parents talked about.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But the Beatles today are as hip. To young kids, as they are to their parents and grandparents, so I think the fact that they became cross generational—that's the key to their success.
0: What do you think? Why do you think they made that leap that where others didn't?
1: Um, because the music was so unbelievable, just unbelievable, yeah, and the songs were so unbelievable, and people just—you know—here, here's a guy, here are four guys, uh, everybody, like I have Billy Joel in the book and Joe Walsh. They'll all tell you that they saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. They decided that moment, that's what they were going to be. Because for the first time, people realized, like like Billy Joel and Joe Walsh, wow, I can do that. These four guys play their own instruments. They write their own songs. I can do that. Mm-hmm. And, and that wasn't this, the, the same thing with, with Sinatra or with Elvis or even any of those other people. I think Buddy Holly was really the only group that people pointed to that said, wait a minute, this guy writes his own songs and he sings his things But it was the Beatles that really magnified that.
4: that someday
0: is one of the little known things about the beatles that people don't realize that through your interviews you have found out not necessarily a story but just maybe a fact that people get wrong
1: that's an interesting question because there's so many but i'll tell you something i picked up only a few years ago from a guy named sam leach i was in liverpool uh and i was with my friend larry kane who's in the book larry's the newsman that traveled with the beatles And, in fact, if you saw the movie Eight Days a Week, mm-hmm. that movie is based on his interviews and Larry's in the, in the movie. I work with Larry uh, doing research for that movie. But uh, I went over to Liverpool with Larry when he was doing one of his books, and we talked to everybody. And one of the people we talked to was a guy named Sam Leach, who um, was a promoter in Liverpool, and he used to promote all the early shows with the Beatles. And he, you know, he, and right before Brian Epstein signed him, signed them, Sam was sort of their de facto manager because he booked all their shows. Uh, and he told me something which I'd never heard before. He said that the Beatles and he had decided that if they didn't get a record deal, they were going to record their version of Twist and Shout and put it out themselves. Huh. And I'd never heard that before, and I thought, wow, that's a pretty cool story. They were they were just
0: going to do it anyway.
1: 1962, yep. Wow.
0: Now, those are all so interesting. The Beatles is fascinating to me. I love the Beatles. I, I'm one of those cross-generational people. And I think it's right. amazing when I start playing the Beatles song, my uh, kids, they already know the words. And so right. uh, I am so glad that you made sure that you recorded all these, and they're fascinating, all these stories. And it's a great book, A Walk Down Abbey Road. Before I let you go, I have to do something we always do, and it is. Three revealing questions.
1: Okay. This is about you, Denny. Now we okay. present three revealing questions.
0: Okay, this is gonna be about you, my friend. Okay. Enough about the Beatles. <laughs> okay. I mean they they've had their time in the in the sun. Now it's time for Denny to shine, okay? <laughs> With your long career, who would you say is your number one influence in your life, in your career?
1: Wow. Um, gosh, you know, I, that's, it's so hard. I mean, from a radio point of view, it's, uh, you know, it's people like Scott Muni, obviously, and Dave Herman, who's no longer around and people like that. Um, a musician, well, I'm not a musician, mm-hmm. so I can't really cite any, any musicians. Um, I, I guess my radio guys, like I said, Scott Muni and and people like that.
0: Let me ask you this. It's kind of derail a little bit. What what do you think of the future of radio? Uh, We got us podcasters out there. You have um, satellite. You have generic stuff going on in um, just regular markets. What's your thoughts?
1: Well, I think that, um, and I've heard this thing. There's There's somebody, there's a friend of mine. His name is Lee Abrams. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a very well-known radio consultant. And, in fact, you're in Kansas City. He was the radio consultant at KYYS. Okay. Max Floyd can tell you all about him. Mm -hmm. All right. Good morning. It's 739. Max Tannenoffit here. On the phone with us this morning is Terry Ortiz. All right, John, you're on with uh, with Terry, uh, who calls himself the vegan man. What, uh, what would you suggest that everybody uh, involved in the poultry industry go and do tomorrow if we decide not to eat poultry? I would suggest these people in the poultry industry go out and find a morally okay job rather than one of carnage and killing. I mean, if we learn nothing from September 11th, thousands upon thousands of innocent lives were lost. And yet this Thursday, millions upon millions of innocent turkey lives are not only lost, but they're going to be celebrated by people belching loud and unbuttoning the top button of their trousers. That developed that format called Superstars, which was an album rock format that spread across the country and totally changed everything. Well, Lee went on to um, create XM, satellite radio, all the channels, etc. He was there for 10 years. Then he went to work at the Tribune uh, to try and work uh, consulting newspapers and TV. And then he sort of semi-retired. And just recently, about two months ago, um, he called me up and he said, I, "I'm thinking of reopening my uh, my consultancy, and I'd come up with a new 40 plus radio format." And he shared it with me, and I'm telling you, it's go- it's great. It's for people 40 plus who grew up on classic rock, mm-hmm. but enough already. You know, they want this is like the next next thing. Mm-hmm. And I think he's about to unveil that. And I think that could give terrestrial radio at least a shot in the arm.
0: Oh, I would love it. We, I, hopefully, there's there's personalities involved, and there's stories involved instead of just yep. playing. Yep. It's
1: exactly what it is, and it's it's all. And just to tell you, like, give you a, an example, because you mm-hmm. pointed out to me, I said, "Well, Lee, how do you know?" He goes, "Well, look, what do you hear on the radio these days? You hear the Moody Blues. Yeah, the only thing you ever hear is uh, Tuesday afternoon or Days of Future. Or, <laughs> right. you know, right. You, you never hear anything else." Uh-huh. Meanwhile, the Moody Blues have 50 other songs that are great. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh John Lennon nowadays. All you ever hear is Imagine. Mm-hmm. Nobody plays anything else. D-Ball. Everybody's
4: talking. And no one says a word. Everybody's making love. And no one really cares. There's knackings in the- just below the stairs All of something happening And
6: nothing going on All of something cooking And nothing in the pot They're starving back in China So finish what you got
7: There's a place for us in movies You
6: just gotta let it ride
1: The, even the Beatles, there's only about a half a dozen songs that regularly get played. So he said, it's just a question of filling in a lot of the songs that used to get played, but the artist is familiar. The song doesn't have to be, but the artist is so familiar mm-hmm. that you can add these songs and people aren't going to go enough already. And that's what I think is going to be the next format.
0: I, I love it. I'll be a fan. I, like I listened the other day on, uh, it was a Traveling Wilbury song, and they just played mm-hmm. it. And you think, oh, that was a good song. And you think, do people know all the legends that were in the traveling Wilburys and the stories of that? not you know it just would be great to have a personality talking about that type of thing so hey you're on the edge again denny that's great okay here's my second question um sure when you're done with your professional life um how do you want to be remembered
1: well i hope it's not too soon yeah <laughs> but uh god i i hope people just hey he was a fan like us and he was able to ask the questions that we all wanted to ask, because that's the secret of my success, mm-hmm. if I have any success. It's, "I'm a fan first, and I remember that when I'm interviewing somebody. Yeah, there's things I'd like to do, or I don't talk over. It. I will wait till they answer the question and I come back with another one, and I like to think that I'm a fan. And I think that's what came through in the interviews that are in the book. <laughs>
0: And the last last thing, if you could just do one thing to change, uh, whether it be the industry or maybe uh, something in your career, what would it be? It, maybe here, uh, I guess I'll put it this way: With you, is there one person that you wish you could interview that you didn't?
1: Gosh, um, the one that got away. Well, I can tell you that the couple of people that I have never interviewed. Uh, and I don't really know. I mean, I would have loved to interview him, but I'm not like, it's not a hunger to have done it because they're difficult. And that would be Bob Dylan and Neil Young. Mm. I never interviewed either one of them. Uh, but I think that even Bob Dylan, I would have a hard time just <laughs> because what are you going to ask Bob Dylan Yeah, about his songs? Mm-hmm. Come on. Neil Young's the same way. Mm-hmm. It just, it's almost impossible. But I don't have any, um, you know, I I don't have any regrets other than I I would have been interested to see. Uh, I'd probably be a lot richer had I gone into business and become a stockbroker. But other than that, no, I have no regrets.
0: Well, Denny, thank you so much. Uh, Love the book. I love the topic. Again, the book is A Walk Down Abbey Road. You can get it. I got it from my Kindle or you can just get it from Amazon and and it's a great read. It's A Walk Down Abbey Road. Buy it. Give it as gifts. Uh, Do everything you need to do. And, uh, Denny, I I can't thank you enough for the interview. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you very much. I I really appreciate it, Paul. And uh, good luck to you in, in the future. All right. Thank
0: you. For listening to this very special interview with Denny Selmak, legendary DJ, rock music historian, and author of the brand new book *A Walk Down Abbey Road*, please pick up this book at Amazon, and you'll really enjoy all the different stories on how the Beatles have been influential to many people. I was thrilled by this interview. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the musical interludes as well, and we'll see you next time. A KCTK
1: production produced by Paul Avoda, all rights reserved. For more information and content, email us at kctkradio at gmail.com.